The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. Good morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you in this way. We're so very blessed this morning to be able to have Elder Buddy Abernathy, who is a member of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Gordo, Alabama, to be preaching for us. In a few minutes, Brother Buddy will come and bring the message. I would like to invite you to come and worship with us at Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. We enjoy worshiping the Lord in a very simple manner. We come together, we sing, we preach, and we pray, and we rejoice in the message of salvation. Salvation by grace alone. If you've never heard that message, then we're very happy to share that with you here on the radio broadcast, and we're very thankful for the stations that allow us to continue to broadcast. Our website at Bethlehem is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. I would love to hear from you. If you want to reach out to me by email, it's a very easy way to communicate. My email address is Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W.com. Following this song, Elder Buddy Abernathy, member of Zion Primitive Baptist Church near Gordo, Alabama, will be bringing the message.
We appreciate having another opportunity to speak to you on Brother Tim's broadcast. And I want to read to you today from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 4. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. All of us recognize that we're living in a world today in which marriage has greatly deteriorated. The divorce rate has been high for many years now, and in more recent times, things are worse because there are those that oppose the Word of God and the ways of God in their attempt to redefine marriage. Now, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is the inspired and infallible Word of God, and therefore our only rule, our only guide for how we're to live our lives as his people. So I want to consider today the subject of marriage and just look at some of the basic principles that the Word of God sets forth regarding this institution that God himself established. Now, the first phrase in this passage says marriage is honorable. Now, if something is honorable, that means that it is highly esteemed. And the reason that marriage is to be highly esteemed or highly regarded is because it's an institution that God himself established. And as long as we maintain marriage as God designed it, we will be honoring God in marriage. Now, most of us understand that God established marriage in the beginning of time. So let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 2. And this is an account of when God instituted marriage. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, this was shortly after God had created Adam. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, here we have a picture of marriage as God, our Creator, established it. God had created man, that is, he had formed him from the dust of the earth. We read also uh, in the account of creation here in the book of Genesis that it was not good for the man to be alone. And therefore, we see that God made a companion for him. Uh, we read also in this account in Genesis that uh, she was described as an helpmeet. And helpmeet simply refers to a suitable helper. In other words, this was exactly what Adam needed. 
Now, after God had taken a rib from Adam and made Eve, he brought her to Adam. And notice in verse 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So here we see that God did not create or form another man, but he created woman. He created a human being that is distinctly different from the man, but an ideal suitable companion for the man. And then this important timeless principle is so clearly established in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He says, therefore, that is based on the fact that God created man and then formed a distinct being from man, that is, he formed woman. It says, therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, the idea here when he speaks of cleaving to his wife and being one flesh is that this is now one compatible unit. You see, by having a man and then a woman who is different from man, yet designed by God himself for man, we consequently have a single unit, that is, uh, God so created the man and the woman so that they are ideally what one another needs. And I think that's what's under consideration when he says uh, they shall be one flesh, uh, one unit. They are perfect companions, one for the other. Now, with those thoughts in mind, let's then go forward to the book of Mark and keep in mind especially that this is now 7,000 years after God instituted marriage there in the Garden of Eden. And as we look at this account in the book of Mark, chapter 10, we'll see that Jesus didn't make any changes to what God had ordained. In Mark, chapter 10, in verse 2, it says, and the Pharisees came to him, that is, they came to Jesus, and asked him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? In other words, they weren't seeking information. They weren't wanting to learn, but they were trying to find some way to trip him up or to expose uh, what they perceived to be as erroneous teaching that Jesus was setting forth. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they says, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. 
What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now here we see reestablished, based on verse 6, that from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now that's so very important for us to understand today and for us to emphasize in the church and to emphasize as we are bringing up our children. And that is that in the beginning, God created not two males, not two females, but he created, he made them male and female. And then in the next verse, verse 7, he says, for this cause, that's just simply saying that based on the fact that God made a male and a female, based on that, for this cause, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Now, it's a very simple concept there that God made two distinct, different human beings who are intended to come together and be as one flesh. Again, I want to emphasize that male and female are compatible one for the other. That's the way God designed it. That's the way God would have it to be. And only when it's between a male and a female is marriage honorable. But notice some additional information that we learn from this portion of Scripture that's not addressed in Genesis chapter 2, and that is the subject of divorce. Now, surely in a 20-minute radio broadcast, we can't cover the many different problems and complications surrounding divorce, but we do just want to try to establish this one principle. Notice what the Pharisees asked Jesus in verse 2. They said, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Jesus said in verse 3, what did Moses command you? Verse 4, and they said, Moses suffered, that means Moses allowed, Moses, Moses tolerated, because of the hardness of your heart, to put away your wife. Notice how he states this, verse 4. Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and put her away. That didn't mean that that was the right thing to do. That didn't mean that God had now softened his standard. That didn't mean that marriage was now not to be taken as seriously as it was thousands of years prior when God created man and formed woman and instituted marriage. Jesus is just simply saying that there was a time that Moses suffered this. He tolerated it. As we might say, here's a time where Moses put up with it. But notice the reason why these divorces were taking place. He says in verse 5, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept wasn't because this was okay with God, but it was because of the hardness of their heart. 
Now, to have a hard heart means to desensitize oneself to the things of God. And whenever people get a divorce, and I recognize there are situations where that may be necessary, certainly the Scripture gives allowance for divorce when one has been unfaithful to their marriage vows. Certainly recognize there are situations where uh, the husband is abusing the wife and it's unsafe for them to live with them. But I'm not talking today about the reasons for divorce. I'm talking to you about the institution of marriage and how that divorce should never be contemplated. But both those parties should view the marriage as a permanent, lifelong commitment. But notice what he says. He says, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote unto you this precept. And it's disappointing today to see so many people, even in the church, who harden themselves against the word of God and the way of God. That is, in spite of their knowledge of the scripture, in spite of the vows that they took before God and before, in most cases, a congregation of people, it seems that they can just ignore that and uh, allow their selfish desires and their own ambitions to take over their life, and they consequently abandon their responsibilities to their marriage. And it's even worse when they have children, and those children are affected by it. And we see that there's a breakdown in authority and there's confusion among the children because they don't know who the authority figures are in their lives. And then oftentimes this just passes on to the next generation. But we see here that divorce was never okay with God, but it's something that was tolerated by Moses because of the hardness of their heart. Now let's turn back again to the book of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. He says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now let's think some more about how marriage is honorable in terms of how the wife is a blessing to the husband. In Mark chapter 18, in verse 22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And notice that simple point. If you as a man find a wife, not just any woman, but if you find a wife, and by a wife we're talking about a woman who has the desire to be a companion to a man. You see, that's what marriage is all about. It's two people. It's a male and a female who desire the opposite sex for the purpose of companionship. And in that environment of companionship in one flesh, they then are blessed of God to have children and then they're blessed to bring those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord that their lives might be stable and that they might glorify God and that they might continue in the church 
and that homes would continue to be stable, safe places for children. He says here that the man that finds a wife findeth a good thing. We also can read in um, Proverbs chapter 5, and beginning with verse uh, 15, notice uh, the description that's given here uh, with regard to the wife. Romans, uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15. He says, Drink waters out of thine own cistern, and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Now notice that last phrase there. Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Now the way many in the world talk today, you would think that marriage is a curse. You would think that a woman only brings misery to the man because our world has lost view of marriage as God designed it. And if time permits, we'll try to look into that in a little more detail. If not today, maybe in a few weeks when the second part of this message is aired. But notice here he says um, that the man is to rejoice with the wife of his youth. So we see that it's a blessing from God for a man to find a wife. Now notice in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 and the first two verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and the first two verses, he says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Now remember the passage that we start started with. It says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Now when he speaks of the bed being undefiled, he's saying it's within marriage. It's within this God-ordained relationship between a male and a female, a man and a woman, who have committed themselves to be one flesh for the rest of their lives. It's in this environment that the bed is undefiled. That is, the sexual relations between a man and a woman are honorable in the eyes of God within the context of marriage as God designed it. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. Now, with that thought in mind, let's look again here at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, Now concerning the things wherever you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, I believe the idea here, when he speaks of touching a woman, he's referring um, not only to the intimate relationship between a man and a woman, but also uh, marriage in general. In other words, uh, marriage is not a requirement. Uh, you're not displeasing the Lord if you never get married. 
He says, as a matter of fact, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, what he means by that is simply that this is okay. It's not something that God requires you to enter into. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. But notice this this next verse. He says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So you see, marriage is ordained of God, not only for companionship, as we've tried to establish, but also to avoid fornication. To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. So this is very important to recognize marriage as God established it, you'll never truly experience peace and contentment in any other way. You see, when the Bible says that we're not to commit adultery, that's referring to any relationship, any intimate relationship outside of the parameters of marriage. So we want to keep this thought in mind as we conclude today. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. been listening to the march to zion broadcast for more information contact 205-364-1396 or write to the march to zion broadcast p.o box 270 Carrollton, alabama 35447 bethlehem primitive baptist church is located seven miles east of gordo and 10 miles west of northport just off highway 82 on the boyd road near ecola services are each sunday at 10 30 a.m and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace. Love you.